President Carter has arrived in Fort Wayne, Indiana for a brief... Go to America, goes Montana! He will fall in fire! Because cable's now. I think cable history is exciting, and personally, I believe this is such a wonderful industry. Hello, and welcome to Season 2 of Stories from the Head End the Cable Center's podcast series featuring the industry's visionaries and leaders sharing their unique insights and experiences. I'm Diane Christman, Senior Vice President and Chief Program Officer of the Cable Center. This season, we're exploring the many facets of innovation within the cable broadband industry. We're presenting brand new content as well as segments curated from the collections of the Cable Center's Barco Library and the Hauser Oral and Video History Project. Today's episode, Why Entrepreneurship? In 2017, the Cable Center launched its Entrepreneurship Academy, or IA, an eight-week program which targets early and mid-career rising stars in the cable broadband industry and educates and empowers them to be entrepreneurs, to innovate, envision, and affect change within their organization's existing corporate structures. Entrepreneurship can apply to processes, products, and programs, as well as technologies. Janice Silver, the Cable Center's Vice President of Marketing and Programs and IA's Program Director, invited innovation expert and IA curriculum developer and lecturer Robin Bolton into our studio recently for an insightful conversation about entrepreneurship and innovation. They discussed the characteristics of entrepreneurship how it can be developed, and how IA can help cable industry companies drive innovation enterprise-wide. And now, let's join Janice and Robin. Hello, I'm Janice Silver. I'm the Director of Marketing Programs at the Cable Center, and specifically, the Director of the Cable Center's Entrepreneurship Academy, or IA. I'm here with Robin Bolton, who is the founder and chief navigator of Mile Zero, And to us, she's our IA Dean. Hi, Janice. Robin, can you talk a little bit about your background? Absolutely. So as you said, I'm honored to be the Dean of IA. Um, I'm also the founder and chief navigator of Mile Zero, which is an innovation consulting firm. Um, But my career actually starts as an entrepreneur. I worked at Procter & Gamble in marketing and was on the team that created and launched the Swiffer brand and several Swiffer products. So I've lived and worked as an entrepreneur, and then really for the past um, 10, 15 years have been working as a consultant and an advisor and a supporter to entrepreneurs. I'm currently in my own firm, Mile Zero, but previously at Innosite, which is an innovation consulting firm founded by Professor Clayton Christensen, who's probably best known as the the founder of the theory of disruptive innovation and working with his firm and amazing companies really across the world to help them build their innovation skills. That's great. So Robin and I, we've been working for the past year and a half on the Entrepreneurship Academy. And for those of you who may be unfamiliar with IA, IA is a program that gives cable industry rising leaders the tools to become entrepreneurs by teaching the process of innovation and applying it to a real-world project. And we've been using this term entrepreneur now several times, but not everybody knows what an entrepreneur is. So, Robin, why don't you, uh, what's your definition of entrepreneurship? 
You make a great point that a lot of people don't know the term entrepreneur. In fact, we hear quite a bit that people think we either mispronounce or misspell entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where entrepreneur comes from. But it it actually is a, a unique term with a unique definition. And essentially what an entrepreneur is, is someone who is creatively solving problems and working to transform an idea into a business or to implement, implement it um, and doing all this within an organization. So working on ideas, solutions, that are aligned with an organization's priorities and strategies. So really, in essence, they're an inside entrepreneur. Yeah, that makes sense. I know that I had to take my Word document and add it to my dictionary because it kept telling me I was misspelling entrepreneur. Yes, we even have to teach Microsoft Word and PowerPoint <laughs> the word. So absolutely. So what intrigues you about this theory, this study of entrepreneurship? What intrigues me is that it is so important and so insanely difficult. It's important because every company needs to grow and to evolve and even transform in order to stay viable and successful in the long term. But as companies get bigger, it becomes harder to do that, to innovate themselves, to evolve themselves. So as important as innovation is, it's insanely difficult. And so the people within an organization, the entrepreneurs who are trying to drive innovation, who are trying to help the company and kind of grow into the next stage of itself are really, you know, up against a lot of huge challenges because it's no longer, you know, a small company that you can pivot and, you know, respond quickly. It's now an aircraft carrier that, you know, you're trying to turn and that doesn't happen quickly. But entrepreneurs are kind of the brave, relentlessly optimistic, relentlessly committed people who see the importance of doing that and are willing to do the hard work to try to help their companies continue to be great. So you've seen, I'm sure you've worked with other companies that are encouraging entrepreneurship. What have you seen that's worked or maybe that hasn't worked? So what works is, um, I really think about it as three things. You know, first is the leadership is truly committed to innovation. It's not something that they just say, you know, at a shareholder meeting or when they're talking to the street, they really are involved in innovation. They lean forward and engage in it. They, you know, put real business thought and commitment behind it. And they know how to engage it with innovation teams and why that style of engagement has to be different than how they engage in the core business. So really kind of leadership involvement and understanding is one. Um, second is that leadership treats innovation seriously, that it's not a hobby that you ask people to do in 5% of their time. It's not an event like a hackathon or a shark tank. It is a discipline and it is a function and it is the beginning of a business that can have just as much discipline and support and importance to the overall business as anything we currently think of like marketing, finance, or an existing business line. So that's second, they treat it seriously. And then third, they have realistic expectations. I can't tell you how many companies I've worked with who, you know, we go in, we talk to them about, hey, what do you want to start? And they say, oh, you know, we need a business that's going to generate $500 million in the next year. It's like, if I had an idea for a $500 million business in year one, I would not be sitting here consulting to you. I would be building that business. 
And the fact is, is when people look back at their companies, most big companies and business lines don't go from zero to 500 million in a year. Yet you get these crazy expectations put on innovation of you can create a $500 million business with two people working on it full time in a $10,000 budget. And so the companies that struggle have those unrealistic expectations. The companies who do well have realistic expectations. They know that it's going to take time. It's going to take resources, but they know how to balance those needs and those expectations with the short-term expectations of delivering, you know, on their quarterly reports and keeping their core business growing and moving forward. So have you seen any companies that do that well? I think a lot of companies are starting to figure out and doing certain things well. I think very few companies are bringing these all together. Um, where I see companies really, really struggling the most is around those, you know, treating it seriously and the realistic expectations. I mean, we all struggle with constrained resources. You know, nobody has as much time or as much money or as many people as they would like. And so that requires really hard choices. And in a lot of ways, innovation comes down to resource allocation decisions and companies, managers, leaders struggle with that across the board. Um, other companies, you know, you see, I, I would say at Nike, you'd see at, you know, several medical device companies, um, really the leadership getting engaged. And I think that really is the first step And the companies that are making great progress are the ones where you have the C-suite involved and in a real and important way. That's true. And one of the things that the innovation that gets the most press are these big innovations, like you said, the $500 million idea, but innovation also happens on the small scale. So what we are talking about, especially through the Entrepreneurship Academy is a lot of smaller ideas that are implemented in a lot of different areas in the company. Can you talk to me about sort of small scale innovation and how yeah. to encourage that? Yeah, those small scale innovations are desperately, desperately important because those are the innovations that keep a company moving forward. It's doing what they do better, faster, cheaper, and um, just in a way that creates more delight for their customers. And those things, and we see this all the time in IA and the projects that people are working on, those are improving internal processes to make things easier to get done or faster to do them. Those are you know, making products easier to access or easier to understand. And all of those things are, are absolutely essential to keeping the company going forward. And you know, as we look at innovation, especially from kind of a an academic study standpoint where really successful innovative companies spend their allocations is 80, 70 to 80% is being spent on those innovations, those improvements to the core, because that's what keeps you relevant in the short term. It also has a positive impact on the people because what you're doing is uh, training people to become innovators. And so it becomes part of your muscle memory where you take ideas and you learn how to move them forward. And even if your initial ideas are small ones that have maybe a limited but positive impact, eventually as they move and become the rising leaders in an organization, they have the resources and the decision-making authority to create larger innovations. Absolutely. Yeah. Learn, getting people to learn how to be comfortable in an ambiguous situation and to take risks. You want to start small. Because then when it comes time later in your career to take a bigger risk 
or to deal with a far more ambiguous problem that could have a much bigger impact, you're used to dealing with it. And it doesn't seem like such a huge leap or so kind of scary and dangerous. So we've been talking about innovation. And one of the things that I find fascinating is that there's this light bulb moment myth of innovation. Uh, Tell me how that really is reflected in, in reality as opposed to, you know, the light bulb. Yeah, I think we have the very romantic notion of the light bulb moment and the lone genius in his, you know, in his study kind of having, you know, divine, um, you know, divine inspiration and then coming up with the next big thing that changes the world. And that's a lovely idea. That's not reality. You know, certainly the idea can come in a moment of inspiration, but what makes innovation different from invention is that innovation delivers value and makes an impact. And in order to take an idea to a point where you can implement it and start seeing the value and the impact, you need a team. You need to engage a lot of people and have a lot of expertise around the table and build a lot of support. And that can't be done by the lone genius. And very rarely does the idea when it comes to that lone genius, is that what's implemented? Because you learn along the way. So it's a very romantic idea to have the person in, you know, in their room coming up with the next great thing. What gets the next great thing out into the world that changes lives or improves the way things are done? That's a team sport and that's a team effort. Yeah, when I first started learning about innovation and entrepreneurship, one of the things that I felt initially was an oxymoron is this whole process of innovation. I thought, well, you know, what is this process of innovation? And if it's a process, doesn't that limit creativity? So tell me how I'm wrong, how the process of innovation is actually what spurs creativity. Right. The process, it's like such a major downer on <laughs> on people. Like you said, when you first think about innovation, because you think of it as this amazing, creative, kind of unbridled experience. And the fact is that innovation actually thrives within constraints. That when you're told, you know, you can't do something or you get fewer resources, you have to actually be more creative because you're solving a problem. And so what the process does is it just really gives you a roadmap of, you know, how to go from your idea to implementation and kind of the stops you need to make along the way. But how you move between stops, how you accomplish something at each step of the process, there are tons of ways to do that. And, you know, how you would do ideation within one company could be very different than how you do it in an organization. How you um, test and learn and de-risk an idea is going to change from, you know, business to business. So there's an incredible amount of creativity that goes on in the innovation process but the process is there so you don't have to spend a lot of energy just trying to figure things out along the way. It's just that little extra help so that you can stay focused on really developing the idea. The other thing that's interesting about the process is, uh, as you recall, we talked to some of our students and one of them made a comment to me that he had great ideas all the time and was so frustrated because he'd tell everybody his great ideas and nothing would ever come with them from them. And he would, he would think, well, what's wrong with my, my ideas? And he didn't realize until he learned this process of innovation that he only was at the very first step and barely there, in fact, because an idea is just sort of the beginning of defining the problem, the job to be done, 
what is what is your solution? Yeah. So, and I think that's a, a great point is that so many people have great ideas, and I think that's what you heard is you were developing this idea for IA is that there's a lot of passion and ideas out there within the industry and people just don't know kind of what to do next. And it may be helpful at this point, since we've been talking about the process and and what we're hearing from folks, kind of taking a step back to talk about how IA even came to be. That's a great story. I would love to tell you that. Um, as If you're familiar with the Cable Center, the Cable Center has always told the story of the cable industry. And the entrepreneurs that created the industry are at the core of that story. But now, in the age of large cable organizations, it, be, it becomes harder to sustain an environment where these entrepreneurial behaviors can thrive. So the Cable Center went through an extensive process to evaluate how could we support the industry's efforts for continuous innovation. We did a lot of research. We talked to a lot of people. And one underlying theme was that today's cable leaders realize that in order to continue to lead, they have to be nimble and they have to be open to new ideas. And conversely, the rising leaders that we spoke with told us that they have tons of ideas, but they struggle with trying to move them from inception to implementation. So what we did, we decided that there was this need to teach a structured approach to innovation that works in today's large organizations. Yep. And, you know, that's really what IA aims to do is to kind of teach that process that will work, you know, regardless of function, regardless really of company, but can help really bolster and strengthen the entrepreneurs within the cable industry. Well, that actually brings me to the whole, you know, what is innovation? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when people think about innovation, and when I think about innovation, you think about technological innovation. That's what, you know, the next iPad, for example. But we think of innovation a little bit differently. So why don't you tell us about that? Yep. That's where we start on day one of the Academy is defining innovation, because it's one of those buzzwords that everybody uses, but everybody also kind of has their own definition. So we start there with defining innovation as something different that creates value. And so we talk about when we say something, yeah, that could be a new product, but it could be a new uh, process. It could be a service. It could be a way of making money. Um, it could really be almost anything. It doesn't just have to be a technology or a product. Then we use different in that definition because a lot of people think, oh, well, it has to be new to the world. And Sure, it can be new to the world. It could be new to the industry. It could be new to your company. It could be new to your team. Or it could just be something that's better, that's faster, that's cheaper. It's really about different and improved versus having to be kind of invented from scratch. And then the value creation, as I mentioned earlier, that really is the key to determining whether something's innovative or not. But that value creation, yes, it can be measured in dollars like revenue or profit or cost, but it could also be in time saved. It could be employee satisfaction. It could be employee retention. Um, really anything that represents value to the company. And that actually was probably the largest epiphany that for so many of our entrepreneur students, because they never really understood how to attach value to their ideas and this was a great way to learn about that, especially because a lot of the 
ideas they had weren't specifically about generating revenue. They were about improving a process or they had a great new app or they wanted to do something better. And we talked about value can be time, value can be uh, people, it can be a lot of different things. And so you've got to learn how to place a value on things. Right. And so what we talk to people about when they're working, um, especially on a process improvement, is if you're saving time, you know, you can quantify that and put that into dollars and cents because, you know, if you're reducing the time it takes to do something from 10 hours to four hours, that's freeing up six hours of somebody's time that they can spend on something else, which could create more value. So we really work with the entrepreneur's on innovation, but then also really how to think as a business owner and an owner of that idea and how to get support from senior leaders who are struggling. It's a vocabulary. It's a vocabulary and it's a way of communicating and thinking about something and owning it. Mm -hmm. Well, we've been at this now for about 18 months. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we have. And it's been great. We've uh, completed three classes and we are about to have our fourth. And let's talk about how this program has evolved. I know when when, when we first started working together, uh, we got Robin engaged in this process and said, this is what we want to do. This is how we want to do it. Um, and Robin was like, great, how long do we have? And we're like, the first class starts in two and a half months. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Yes. <laughs> right but on somehow it. we did that. But let's talk about how the program has evolved in the last year and a half. Yeah, it's... It's evolved quite a lot. I think the the foundation has largely remained the same. I mean, mm-hmm. we've stayed committed to teaching an innovation process, to really making sure there's a balance between theory and practical application, and making sure people are learning tools that they can apply in their day job versus just as part of this curriculum. But really where we've evolved is, you know, certainly customizing the lessons and the materials used to teach the tools really to not to the cable industry and to the folks that we have in this program. Um, So originally we were using a lot of journal articles and we realized through feedback over time that those journal articles were really designed and targeted at senior executives who are largely running you know, revenue generating product businesses. Right, a lot of consumer products type innovation. A lot of consumer types product innovation. And the people in our program, you know, yes, they're rising leaders. They tend to kind of be in the middle of organizations and they're working a lot on, you know, process improvement. And so while the concepts were still applicable, we needed to teach them in a different way. So we've created custom content over time. Um, You know, we've really also brought in the concept of, Every participant has a sponsor within their company, somebody who's a level or two above them who can help them navigate the organization. Right. And figure out how to apply the lessons they're learning in this program to the specific context of the organization and the project they're working on. Yes, we did have sponsors as part of the program initially, but what has evolved is that the sponsors are actually going through the program kind of in parallel with the entrepreneurs. They get the materials with them. They help on with the project definition. We keep them in the loop and we invite them to the the keynote, the uh, kickoff and the capstone. And we found that the, the more involved the sponsor is with the entrepreneur, the better learning experience it is for everybody. Absolutely. And everybody, I mean, we've 
we're constantly hungry for feedback. We ask for feedback throughout the program. And what we've heard from both the participants and the sponsors is that the more that they work together, actually the better experience they both have and the more value they get from the program. So what are some of the highlights that you remember from the class, from any of the three classes? The highlights there, um, you know, the one that springs immediately to mind, which I think is absolutely unique to IA and to the cable industry is the bonding and the relationship building that occurs within the class. You know, our class is comprised of people from multiple companies across the industry. Even, you know, competitors will be working together in the same class. And kind of that level of collaboration that goes on while people still, of course, being sensitive to and respectful of their company's needs and confidentiality, but really appreciating finding kindred spirits within the industry, other entrepreneurs who they can learn from, who they can support and be supported by. And that in just two days of the kickoff, the relationships that are built that carry through the supported study program and you see even strengthened at our two-day capstone, it's really amazing to see that happen. Yeah, the structure of the class is kind of unique. It's a combination of both in-person and online training. So we have a two-day kickoff where the approximate 20 students in a class really get to know each other. And then they go back to their work and have the facilitated study portion of it for the next six weeks, each week being uh, another module that advances their the process of innovation. And during that week, they have uh, a remote classroom using Zoom or online where they talk to each other. But the main communication tool that really, I think, bonds them is our use of Slack mm -hmm. as a platform. And they talk to each other and exchange ideas. And what I found so funny is that when they got back together after being apart for six weeks, they had really enhanced the relationships that they started back in the beginning. Yeah, it's really amazing that, you know, with six weeks of them only being together virtually, that they come back to the capstone and there are, they have inside jokes. They like making fun of you and I, which we probably deserve. <laughs> yes. Um, and they really have bonded as a group. So you've seen other programs in this space. Where do you think this program stacks up with similar programs? I, obviously I'm biased, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think what really makes this program unique uh, is two things. One, as I mentioned, is that it is a cross industry program. And I think that's incredibly unique. And it's also, I think, evidence of the industry's commitment to innovation, to building the next generation of innovators and entrepreneurs. I, I think the second thing that really makes this program unique and as effective as it is, is that balance of theory and practical application. Everybody in the program works on a project that they define. And so each week they can move that project one step forward in the process by applying a new tool to it. And so we get feedback all the time that that practical application, that that project helps them realize that they are accomplishing something. And that they value seeing the progress and getting the feedback that what they're doing actually matters versus so many training programs can feel like an academic exercise. Whereas 
this program, even though it's a lot of work for them, they learn a lot. They get matters. the binder, they put it on the shelf, they go yep. about their business. Yep. And this <laughs> one, you know, they come out with they come out with a business plan for a new, a new idea, a new solution mm -hmm. to a problem that they defined only eight weeks before. Now, one of the things that you've mentioned that I think is sort of both a risk and an opportunity is that we send out these newly empowered entrepreneurs and they got these great ideas and they have a process and we don't want them to then hit a wall of uh, resistance. So that in, that really requires culture change. Mm -hmm. And obviously the industry, the cable industry is interested in this because they are endorsing this program and they're encouraging entrepreneurship. But on any given level, we need to do what we can to help change the culture. So let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah, we definitely don't sugarcoat this and say, oh, you have an idea. It's all going to be, you know, rainbows and unicorns from now on and you'll return to your company and they'll scatter rose petals at your feet and <laughs> hail you as their savior. Um, in fact, it'll probably be quite the opposite because change is hard for folks and people's instinct will more likely be to say no than yes. And so we talk openly about that. We also give them tools of how to respond when you hear a no, you know, to respond to somebody and say, understand, seek to understand why it's a no, and then ask, okay, what would you need to say to see in order to say yes? We also at the capstone talk a lot about how they can, each of the participants can be leaders within their organization, that being a leader isn't tied to having a certain title or a certain span of control or a certain budget, that you can lead through influence and through role modeling. And so we talk about ways to do that. We talk about um, a way to assess how ready your organization is to innovate and to kind of get a better sense of the openness, but then think about what are ways you can do to maybe close the gap that exists between what your organization is saying they want to do and what they're actually really prepared to do. And that it's iterative, that you don't go in necessarily and go, okay, you know, this is how things have been, you know, there's a new sheriff in town. Yep. You know, you really have to go in there and influence a small group of people. The We talk about <laughs> the whole lone nut. <laughs> yes. yes, at the, the Capstone, we share a, a really great, like just three minute TED video on how to start a movement. And that a movement starts with a lone nut who's willing to stand out and do something different and crazy. But that really what gets a movement going is the first follower of the lone nut. Because that first follower makes the lone nut seem not quite so crazy and makes it feel a little bit safer for other people to follow. And that the third step is then getting all of those followers. And so we talked to them about the fact that, yes, you can be a lone nut and that can be awesome and scary and hard. Right. Um, but also don't be afraid to be the first follower. Yeah, I think some people wanted to put lone nut on their resume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so we talk about how to how to do that and how to think about that. And so these folks don't feel like the full burden of culture changes on their shoulders. Mm -hmm. um, but we try to help them figure out how to engage to be as effective as possible. So there's a lot of theories on entrepreneurship and culture change. Are there any one or two books that you could recommend to that explore that subject? Yeah, I think there's a lot that has been written on entrepreneurship, on innovation within companies, on culture change. I think my uh, two go-to books, you know, one is called Competing Against Luck uh, by Clay Christensen, came out a couple of years ago where 
he continues to develop the uh, the tool, the theory of jobs to be done, which is one of the foundational tools that we teach in part of the program, which is really all about understanding why people make the decisions they do. What is their motivation? And talking about how to do that, the power of doing that, and you know the impact you can have if you really understand what motivates people. Because the reality is, is we decide with our hearts, we justify with our heads. And you have to be able to speak to both of those. So competing against luck is one of my go-tos. The other one, which I'm only partway through, is um, The Startup Way by Eric Ries. And Eric Ries is kind of best known within the innovation community for writing Lean Startup, which was essentially a book on how startups could take the discipline used at big companies to help a startup grow. In The Startup Way, which came out about a year ago, he talks about how big companies can learn from startups. And it touches on both leadership engagement, on the processes and structures that you need, the discipline, all of those things that I talked about successful companies doing, and also brings in a discussion around culture and how to do culture change. Okay, that's great advice. So who are these entrepreneurs that we're looking for? I mean, how would you identify one? You can't see one walking down the street. How how? Would we decide who should be um, an entrepreneur or could use some entrepreneurship training? What I usually say, and people hate it, but I'm going to say it anyways, is that they, we, I was an entrepreneur, tend to be the misfit toys <laughs> um, because we're the people who ask questions. Mm -hmm. And we're curious and we say, well, why are we doing it that way? And we don't accept the answer, well, because it's always been done that way. That's not an answer to us. Um, so we're curious. We're willing to ask questions we're also deeply committed to the company's success. Um, this isn't about kind of my ego or, you know, wanting to bolster my resume. This is, I really am committed to the company. I really want to help the company be better. And so that's what my driving motivation is. And so it's that commitment to something bigger than just kind of my own resume bullet line or getting more power. It's how can I help my company? And have the tools to do it. And have the tools to do it. Do you have any final insights on innovation or entrepreneurship you'd like to talk about? I think it goes back to almost where we started of innovation is incredibly important. It is not a lot of the myths around it of the light bulb and the lone genius. It's a discipline and it's something that can be learned and can be practiced and is a team sport but it needs the commitment and the support and the engagement of leadership in order to deliver results. And it's hard work and entrepreneurs are desperately, desperately important. And they often, you know, don't get the recognition or support they deserve, but they keep plowing on because they do believe in the greater mission of the company. I think another thing that I've realized is that it's not just a top-down kind yeah. of approach. It's also a bottom up. I think what we need to uh, do is embrace all of the the little people, <laughs> <laughs> all of the people that are trying to make things better on their scale in their areas mm -hmm. and build this culture of innovation within organizations. Yep. Yeah, it's the people who are living the work day to day that see the opportunities to do things better and they have great ideas. We need to create the space and give the resources and the true commitment to help them move their ideas to implementation and not treat it like a hobby or a nice little special project, but it's something 
that is really important to the company's future. And this is a growing field, and we're very excited at the Cable Center to be a part of it. And if you want to learn more about our program, the Entrepreneurship Academy, please check out our website at cablecenter.org. And Robin, this has been a fascinating conversation. Thanks for being here today, and thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you. This has been a tremendous amount of fun, and it really is an amazing program that every class is just an amazing group of people doing really, really important work. You've been listening to Why Entrepreneurship, part of the Cable Center's podcast series, Stories from the Head End. Information on upcoming IA classes can be found on our website, cablecenter.org. For the Cable Center, I'm Diane Christman. The Cable Center is a nonprofit industry organization that connects people and ideas to advance innovation. Today's podcast was produced by the Cable Center and made possible through generous underwriting provided by the Cable TV Pioneers. Supervising producer and writer is Leela Kakoris. Please join us again soon.